Dear fellow redeemed, we consider especially our gospel reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. And as we begin, Jesus teaches his disciples about prayer, and we recognize that, um, like many things in life, perhaps sometimes the, the application of doctrine, the application of scriptural truth to our lives, and the practice of that scriptural truth in our lives is as much caught as taught. That you and I might understand, even if we haven't given it a whole lot of thought, that we were taught specific doctrine. That is, specific teaching, such as we confessed in the Apostles' Creed, and that Jesus lays out for us very clearly and plainly here in the Lord's Prayer. We were taught. We have a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet we have an indivisible God, and each person of the Trinity is equally God, co-equal, co-eternal, and all that jazz. All the doctrine, all the teaching. But the application of that doctrine, there can be some teaching there as well, but it's as much caught as it is taught. Perhaps you realize this and see this from your own life, and you had the blessing or benefit of a, a parent or maybe an older Christian from when you were younger who just exhibited the sort of attitude that, that exuded Christian love, but that wasn't a pushover. Perhaps you, you know or you grew up with a grandparent who, time and again, would be able to demonstrate what Christian love looked like and put it into practice, but at the same time, that same grandmother who would be able to tell you clearly what you needed to hear. And that application, that practice of what we believe is sometimes as much caught as it is taught. And the same is true here in the Lord's Prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, as Jesus describes what prayer is for us, we begin with our understanding of what prayer is. Well, quite plainly, what you were taught. That prayer is an act of worship in which we speak to God from our hearts. Prayer is an act of worship in which we speak to God, to God from our hearts. And so that act of worship, in that you are seeking something from God, seeking something from the one who is greater than you, you don't pray to someone or something that is lesser than you, but you bring a request to the one who has both told you to pray and taught you to pray. And in seeking this something good from our God, we seek it in a way that depends on the relationship that he has brought us into this relationship that if prayer is an act of worship in which we speak to God from our hearts, then prayer must be something that only Christians can do. That there might be many people in this world who would spend many hours and many words in what they call prayer, but that prayer is not heard by the true God. At best, it is words just voiced out into the, the air and a quiet thought in the heart. At worst, the way Paul describes it, it is a prayer offered to demons. That prayer is an act of worship in which we speak to God from our hearts. And as Jesus teaches prayer, he teaches as well as leads us along so that we catch what he's saying. Not just the teaching of, of, the, of the doctrine of prayer and the, the truth that we hold on to, but the reality of how do we practice this prayer? How do we practice this prayer? 
Now, when we see that, we recognize also that because prayer is an act of worship in which we speak to God from our hearts, that totally precludes any of the, um, the, the sending happy thoughts and good vibes. That seems to be a fairly common trend. More often on the dumpster fire known as social media, but that's another topic for another time. That if something happens or somebody has a new job interview, you name it, you've got all the people chiming in, sending good thoughts and happy vibes or whatever it is. Almost like each of us listening to, to Oprah, as though Oprah is the one who can teach us how to create good for another person. That's not what prayer is. Having somebody in mind and having a good attitude toward them, that's a good thing. But even if you call it a happy vibe, (laughs) that's not prayer. It stays with you. Prayer is something different entirely, where God has both invited and commanded you to pray, and he has promised to answer that prayer. He has promised to hear that prayer, and that promise is something that is unique for you as a Christian. That is one of the unique treasures that you hold as a Christian, that God says that he even shuts his ears to those who are not believers, but that you have direct access to the throne room of God, as we talked about you know, back in, I don't know, Romans chapter 5, that we now stand in grace. And because we stand in grace under God's, under God's smile, as he smiles upon us, then we can be confident that exactly as he commanded and exactly as he promised, that we can pray and he will hear us. And so there's the, the teaching of prayer, that prayer is taught, but it's also caught. Jesus' disciples ask him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John the Baptist taught his disciples. And it seems like this is one of two times that Jesus taught his disciples the Lord's Prayer. And you look at it, and it's obviously very familiar. When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That of all the things to pray about, of all the, the starvation and the illness and the warfare and the disunion in this world, Jesus says, pray first of all that God's name may be holy. Now, of course, God's name is holy and always is holy of itself, but we pray that we keep it holy. We pray that as people who bear the cross upon your head and upon your heart and imprint it upon your life, as somebody who is um, titled a Christian and known as a Christian, we pray that we would keep God's name holy and that we would uphold God's name in a way that demonstrates the holiness that God has. That we would uphold God's reputation exactly as he said. That his name, we're really talking about his reputation and all that he is and all that he does. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be holy. Let me not fall short that in my application of your truth, or in my daily life, that I would bring disgrace to your name. And of all the prayers and all the petitions that Jesus could start with, that's the one. How would be your name? Because that's basically the same idea as we talk about in the first and second commandments. You shall have no other gods, and you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And the question 
fellow Christians who have been taught God's word, the question before us has to be, have we applied that word in a way that is in line with what Jesus says? As people who have been taught God's word, have we left it at that rather than being instructed by our Lord and also catching the attitude, the scriptural approach of the application of that word? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Oh boy. Or conversely, has, um, has doubt or anger, has a, a temper or harsh words kind of crept in? There's definitely all sorts of possibilities for how and why and when Christians might desecrate God's name, might live in a way that is not worthy of the holy name placed upon us. But that's where Jesus starts. Our Father in heaven, lead us so that we may keep your name holy, that we may live as people worthy of your reputation. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And this second part, just along with it, that we would pray that God's kingdom would come to us and to others as well. When we talk about this kingdom, we're talking about the ruling activity of Christ within your heart and mine. The kingdom of Christ that says that, first of all, you are a citizen of heaven before any citizen of a place in this world. The kingdom of Christ which places a treasure and a value on the truth of your faith and the trustworthiness of that faith above anything that this world could throw your way, whether blessing or woe. And you put those two together, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Oh boy. And your kingdom come. A prayer that each of us would have the same attitude toward our Lord that he has about himself. I don't know if you perhaps had a better week than I, but I didn't keep either of these. Hallowed be thy name. And it's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy to, to be discouraged or to, to say that's the reason why, or what that person said is the reason why I have a right now to be angry. Thy kingdom come. Lord, you've given me 168 hours in this week, and... Maybe I ended up sharing one back to you. The one on Sunday morning, that's an obligation. <laughs> but what about? What about the other 167? Aside from sleeping, of course. But we pray thy kingdom come. We pray that it would come to us as well. And the way that kingdom comes is exactly the same way that kingdom has always come. Through baptism to infants through his word, to his people, so that you and I catch not just the teaching that Jesus presents to us, but we catch the attitude that Jesus has for us. The yeah. attitude that says, of all the blessings in this world, there is one, there is one that will never be taken away from you. Of all the blessings in this world, you might lose the job, you might be scammed out of your, out of your retirement, you might lose your health, but there's one blessing that you will never, ever lose. The kingdom of Christ, 
which is within you. The kingdom of Christ, which extends on forever. Because God has placed his name upon you. Whether you've lived up to it or not. Because that's the way that our Lord has worked. That he has, he has worked to give us his, his righteousness, his name, his, his goodness. In a way that is apart from your action or mine. That God has worked in order to place his name upon you. So that you can be confident of that truth. That you are a Christian. That Christ has done his work for you. And that Christ wants to continue to do his work through you. And that even if, and especially when, you haven't lived up to the reputation of our holy God. At the same time, you have a God who gave his life and rose from the dead to guarantee to you and to me that your standing in his sight is still that of a beloved child who now is told, encouraged, commanded, and promised to address the God of heaven and earth as your father. That status in his eyes as a member of his own household, as a child within his kingdom. And he says, take the moment, take the time to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, that we would live up to your reputation, your kingdom come, that, that we would enjoy and share the ruling activity of Christ among us, that he alone would build the unity that is possible through this word. And also, that his ruling activity would extend to another, that his ruling activity would extend to somebody else, who would then also share the, the kingdom of Christ with us, because the riches of the kingdom are inexhaustible. The forgiveness that he gives and the reality of eternity is something that you don't lose by giving away. <laughs> it just extends Christ's activity to another. And then Jesus follows that up with, he follows it up with, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread. And you notice these first three petitions, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All talking about God's blessing for you and for me, that he would carry out on earth exactly what he promised, that he would carry out in your life exactly according to, and he would act according to the cross he has placed upon your forehead. And after that, that priority is taught, then it's also caught. Because we don't get, we, we only have really one, one petition, one request regarding our physical needs. Give us this day our daily bread. And I know I've said it before, but we aren't asking for a month stockpile of bread, nor are we asking for the daily steak, as much as we might like that, or our cardiologist might not. But we are asking for God to both provide for us on a daily basis, as well as teach us through that daily provision that he is the one who will always provide for us. And we see that, the teaching there. That even though, even though it may look like your life isn't um, exactly as you planned, and you don't quite have the buffer that you were hoping for, that God has still provided for you both the ability to get here today or to join us through YouTube. And he has provided for you today 
the truth and the reality of the forgiveness of sins. And he has provided for you today a community of Christians who share the exact same belief as you. A community of Christians to worship with in peace that we can worship in public in this place. A community of Christians with whom, with whom you want to worship for all eternity. That's the teaching. But what about the catching? That when Jesus provides for us the Lord's Prayer, that what is taught is also something that ought to be caught. And I think when we look at the Lord's Prayer, it provides a good example of how we would like to carry out ministry together. A good example that um, hopefully prioritizes God's natural order of, of the family and that hopefully prioritizes the needs of the people in their spiritual needs, while at the same time not neglecting the physical needs that they may have and the physical or outside human reasons why they might come. And that sort of attitude that prioritizes and says, as we plan our ministry together, as we want to carry out our ministry together, we need to make sure that the spiritual blessings are right there front and center, while at the same time not neglecting the reality, the physical reality of the needs that people may have or the other outside reasons why they might come and walk into a church building. In the last year, we've had, we've had a, quite a few visitors who have walked in simply because they happened to be driving by and there were cars in the parking lot. They said, oh, it's Sunday morning. That looks like a good spot. We've had a couple of visitors who have um, driven by and, and since joined who had, um, they had attended church for a long time in their youth and then fell away for a while. And they wanted a church that was still similar to what they grew up in but not exactly the same. And so they did a little Google searching and said, oh, um, the Lutheran church is probably a good place to start. That's the one that we'll probably be looking for. And they just drove basically from over by Home Depot and said, there's a Lutheran church right here. Why don't we check that out? True story. <laughs> we don't know the external reasons why someone may come. But when they do come, we want to lead and make sure that they receive the blessings as Jesus prioritizes them. That I had this conversation this last week with somebody who said, well, pastor, what about um, we can do this kid's event and that kid's event and this teen event? And I said, well, that's all, that's all well and good. And there are many reasons why we may or may not do some of those things. But the primary reason is that looking at the priority that Jesus has in the Lord's Prayer, and also recognizing the community in which we live, that we still have this incredible opportunity to lead with the blessings that Jesus lists. That no matter who you talk to, um, either they or their parents or their grandparents probably attended church somewhere here in the Toledo area. And you don't have to try to convince them that we've got the most um, riveting pastor, because he's not. You don't have to convince them that we have the best worship service or the greatest music, because I don't want to compete with other churches in that regard. But all day long, I would love to talk about what Jesus teaches. 
and that you can say, you can, you can encourage somebody to say, why don't you join us here? Because here, Jesus provides his forgiveness of sins. And even if you had a bad experience somewhere else, you won't have the same experience here. And that even if you personally have never been in a church, and maybe your, your parents never even had you baptized, I would be willing to bet that your grandparents held on to this truth, and that this truth shaped their lives. That when we talk about what is taught and what is caught, we don't neglect the external reasons why someone may come. We don't turn somebody away and say, sorry, we can't help you. But we don't just provide for the needs that they have here and now. And we don't just provide a, a week-long VBS because the kids need to get out of the house. We provide that so that we can also then lead with the truth that Jesus gives us, with the realities of what he teaches. And the blessing of like a four-day-long VBS and a closing service at 6 p.m. on Thursday I'll repeat that again, 6 p.m. on Thursday. It provides an opportunity to also join in the ministry and the work that Jesus does here. That if you aren't yet comfortable saying, come to church because we're going to talk about Jesus, maybe it's a little bit easier to say, come to church because um, the brewbakers are smoking meat and the blazes are making walking tacos and we've got ice cream as well. And you'll meet some wonderful people. If you aren't comfortable saying, come to church because here the Lord's body and blood is distributed in with and under the bread and the wine for the forgiveness of sins, we'll get there. But maybe you can say, come to church because even if you know this Jesus or you don't, I'd be willing to bet that you'll meet some of the people who do know him, who have had his teaching affect their life, who have had their teaching really influence their attitude. And then obviously our prayer is that all of us together, working together in whatever capacity you are able to contribute, whether that's showing up and smiling or handing out some ice cream, whatever the case may be, in whatever capacity you're able to contribute, that you and I live and act in a way that honors God's name. How will be thy name? that by our actions and by our words, we strive to communicate that you have a God who loves you. And not just a God who loves you, but a person, a Christian who cares about you. Your kingdom come. That by what we do and by what we say, we are glad to see somebody here for whatever reason they came. And we hope that they come back again for not just the food, but also the fellowship. And not just the fellowship, but especially the faith that we proclaim. And it might take some time and a number of visits before, before that eventually happens. But that's okay. When we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that God our Savior wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth, and we pray that, that that truth would be practiced and come true among us as well. It might look, it might look by like leading with, give us this day our daily bread. It might look like providing a VBS and a party at the end of it. It might look like standing at the mommy fair for a couple hours. 
but the priority that Jesus gives us here in his prayer shows us that what he teaches is as much taught as caught. That we want to communicate by what we say and by how we act that our Lord wants his name to be hallowed, that our Savior wants his kingdom to spread to others, that our God's will is that many more would be added to the fellowship of believers. And so when the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray, prayer, obviously, an act of God in which we speak to, an act of worship in which we speak to God from our hearts. But then that prayer is also that God would do his work within us, that God would provide the opportunity for us, and that God would give us the unity together to carry out his work according to his priorities. Amen.